1: Hello and welcome to the Mick Clifford podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now, housing, as we know, is the main public policy issue at the moment. will almost certainly be key in the next general election. The crisis around housing is impacting on society in a whole variety of ways right now across all generations. But what is to be done? Today we have two contrasting views from guests who have already clashed on the pages of the Irish Examiner. And I'd suggest that their respective views are representative of wider opinion on this issue on both sides of what appears to be something of a divide. Michael O'Flynn is Chairman and CEO of the O'Flynn Property Group and a leading figure in the property sector, both here and in the UK. Rory Hearn is a lecturer in social policy at Minute University and the author of two books on housing, the most recent of which, Gaffes, was a bestseller and a finalist in the recent Book of the Year Awards. You're both very welcome. Now, if I could start with you, Rory, I think it's fair to say, Rory, that one overriding feature of your analysis on housing is that there's an over-reliance on the private market to provide what is required. You wrote in the examiner, the reason we are in this housing emergency is that successive governments have handed housing delivery over to the market, to private developers and investor funds to provide housing. What do you suggest is the alternative to that?
2: Well, I think that if we look at what has happened over the last... And really, you can go back 30 years um, as to why we're in this crisis. And it is exactly my analysis that the state, through councils, stopped building social housing. And that is at the heart of why we're in this crisis. And what happened in the 50s and 60s and 70s was councils had a mix of direct labour and contracting private builders And you had the uh, National Building Agency and they developed plans and design plans for all the social housing, council housing, as it is called, um, across the country. And they provided homes for people of all backgrounds and incomes and working people. And essentially, you know, when we look at it, the late 1980s, the state um, essentially told local authorities that you're going, you're not building anymore. And we turned to the market through the Celtic Tiger. We tried to get um, social housing from Part 5. The developers lobbied very hard against that. And in the end, it turned out the councils took money rather than social housing. Um, and we looked then, the last 10 years, we have had housing policy at government level From NAMA, which was all about trying to offload these assets, land, buildings to vulture funds, sold them off. And then housing policy has simply been focused on trying to make the market work and make it viable. And rather than, as I have been arguing for eight years, build social housing through councils, through a housing construction agency. The alternative is what we used to do and what we should do again.
0: Michael, what do you say to that? There's no reality to that. I mean, the ship has sailed, the ship has long sailed, and we need to deal with the practical situation we find ourselves in at this moment in time. Rory is correct in what happened back in the day. but We're talking 50, 60 years ago at this stage with some of the description he has given there. And the reality of the situation is that Part 5 did cause change. I, I was a, a strong opponent of some aspects of Part 5 all for the social integration. But I was very concerned at the time that the whole social and affordable housing was going to become the problem, in vertical of the private sector. And this is probably partly what Rory is saying, but we must deal with the facts of the situation. The facts of the situation now are that we do not have a state construction structure, company, call it what you like, the national building agency is long long since been disbanded and the suggestion by rory that you can somehow turn this tap on again is there is no reality to it and all we're going to do is make a bad situation worse if we start talking about solutions that are not solutions and i don't know what the major objection is to have what is now predominantly private sector driven public housing solutions And there's a complete and utter um, false narrative that it's around the private sector making large profits. Nothing could be further from the truth. What we need to do here, Mick, is that we all need to join up and figure out what can be done, how can it be done, who can do it. Let's get on with the job. Not talking about something that can't be done that will take five years, seven years to set up, And in the meantime, we have a complete collapse. And obviously, we can discuss some of the detailed issues that Rory referenced there. But my reaction to what he's suggesting is no reality to it. It won't happen. It'll make a bad situation worse.
1: OK, and just to point out to listeners who may not be totally across, it, when we talk about part five, what we're talking about is a system that came into being, it's over 20 years ago now, whereby it was part five of the Planning and Development Act 2000, I think, whereby when developers built a development above a certain size, they were obliged to sell to the local authority 20% of housing for social or affordable housing. This became the new way of providing social housing. Rory, to be fair to what Michael O'Flynn is saying there, I mean, we were living in a totally different time. And to some extent, what you're saying, turning back the clock might appear attractive, but is it practical?
2: Well, this is the question. Um, And if it had been done five years ago, as I was advocating we wouldn't be in as bad situation we're in. And I want to make it very clear, when I talk about the private market, I'm not just talking about private developers. And I have been very, very clear that my principal criticism has been with government policy, with state agencies like NAMA, with the Land Development Agency, with councils, who themselves have utterly failed to deliver on social housing um, and broader public housing. And... Also, the other part of the market is, of course, the private landlords. And social housing policy, again, which I highlighted when it was started in 2014 eight years ago, was a completely flawed approach because it said we'll give subsidies to private landlords to pay for social housing tenants and we won't build social housing anymore. And when you look at the rental crisis, at the a third of private rental tenancies are social housing, Tenants. So the state itself has become the biggest purchaser or uh, the biggest. Okay, Rory Cook, stop you there one um, second. And adding huge pressure. No, this is really important because the point is at what point are we going to say policy isn't working? We need to make a dramatic shift. You know, the bit of the. I would disagree with Michael saying I'm not connected with reality. I don't think the private market is connected with reality or is government policy because they're just continuing and we will see this crisis continue unless we make a major, major shift. Rory, can, can, to, can I stop you one second? Example, I
1: mean, fair enough in terms of, of things that may have been done that way in recent years. But starting from here, the idea of a state
2: building agency, is that practical? I think it's one of the key policy measures that we need to develop alongside, and I've made this very clear and I, I don't like being caricatured as being saying I'm against things like, um, you know, home ownership or I'm against uh, you know the the private uh private involvement in housing, um, I and very clearly people who say that haven't read my work or my book because I have been, made a very clear number of proposals that there are a number of ways we tackle this. One is a state construction and development company, another is you expand the housing associations, and the other is the likes of O'Kulon. Um, and as part of that, we build affordable housing for sale that people can actually buy. Um, but I think if we look at it, if we don't do this and if we don't contract a state construction company and the builders from the private sector, I have no problem contracting private builders to build public and affordable homes, Um, we sh- we are going to be in a situation where I know when we look at it, we're saying we don't have the capacity in terms of construction, construction workers. So where are we going to get it from? We know there's workers overseas. There's workers who are here who are not in construction. If we gave them permanent public sector contracts that would cost, that would actually mean it would be an investment. People would continue to work in the construction industry rather than it going through boom and bust. And I think... It's not about Michael saying, oh, this is the end of the private construction industry or the private uh, sector. It is not. But what it is, is about more of a balanced housing system where the state and the public sector does play a significant bigger role.
0: Well, Michael hasn't said that, no, Rory. Michael is being absolutely practical in saying to you, we have to solve this problem. I predicted a housing crisis 10 years ago because of where we were going, 2012. I felt. All the hallmarks to me were, and I predicted it publicly at the time, that we were heading for a housing crisis because we weren't providing for the future. And the whole NAMA model was not, despite what people might think, was not actually planning for the future because they had a remit to get back money. They hadn't a remit to provide for the future requirements of this country. Unfortunately, it, it was a remit issue at the time. Would you say get the state structure to provide... Affordable housing, how do you think that that will be more affordable than what is actually happening today? Because I'm saying bluntly, what you're suggesting can happen won't happen is and please tell me how many thousand euros do you think the state company could could build and how quickly could they get off the ground? But secondly, even assume for a moment that that proposition has, has, has some credibility, which I don't believe it has. How will they be more affordable than what we are doing or what we are trying to do today? And I'm not predicting the end of the private market. I am saying the only solution here is collaboration with, you mentioned the LDA, you mentioned the housing bodies, you mentioned local authorities and the private sector. We all need to collaborate. But can you answer the question, The couple of questions, how will your solution
2: be more affordable? Well, firstly... Um, I think that in terms of credibility, I would, you know, argue very strongly that the private market has lost all credibility because it hasn't has delivered. delivered. It hasn't delivered. You look at health prices, delivered. you look at rents, like, you look why at...
0: not talk about the issues rather than pontificating about something Okay, that one because has at done.
2: its core, at its core, what the private market is trying to do is maximise its income, its rent its house prices, its profit from housing. That's what it sees Do you you know? It's it's a market. But hang on a minute. No. And the point is, when you look at the public sector and what a public sector model could do, what it could do is it reduces or removes the profit element, which is a significant cost. What is the profit element? Well, well, the developer margin, as you know, at different points in time, has been as high as sometimes as 30% and as low as lot of times as you're today. claiming it today, the moment Rory, yeah. is around Let's talk 5 about to today, 10%. Rory. Let's talk about today, because that's what Mick Clifford invited me on to discuss. How can we fix the housing crisis today, not what happened 20 years ago? I'm not saying 20 years ago, but I gave you an example when we were talking the other day of, you know, a private, one of the largest developers in the country that returned over 100 million to its shareholders in profit yeah, but I, I answered you i answered you on, on air that's what
0: you failed to, to put out when you put your proposition is that the profit margins of those public companies are somewhere between 5 and 10%. so where like you didn't talk about the scale of the operation you, t- you talked about a quantum of money and i don't even know how you got those figures to come up with your result but the reality but at is the core the you can make the companies, public- companies the public companies results are published. You have access to them at the same way I have. And I can tell you they're probably more profitable than any of the private companies because they don't have the cost of funds issue. So your your suggestion here of profit, you mentioned 30%. I wish it hasn't been anything near that. And I've always said to fund something, it needs to be 15%. But the reality is we're probably closer to 10% to get it funded and get it done. So where is the big cost saving that's going to bring more affordable product, leaving aside for a moment whether or not it's practical, where is that profit saving? Where is the cost saving going to come to make it more affordable?
1: Can I just come in there, Rory, just to clarify one thing, Rory. What Michael suggests there about profit margins, do you accept that? Because it, it is a figure that I've heard a number of times elsewhere. Do you accept that it is that figure between 10 and 15%?
2: Well, we don't know. That's the point. We don't know. And we need to know. Because we well, you, you mentioned going the public to... company, you mentioned the public company. Am I wrong in what I told you about the public company profits? But, but we don't know. We know that what they return to their shareholders. We don't know in terms. Are of... you suggesting the public companies aren't properly reporting? No, I'm saying we know the the money, the profit, the uh, that it returned to the shareholders. We don't know going through its accounts exactly where you know, the money was made? Was it made off the sale of housing? Was it made off the difference in terms of land? Well, at the end of the day, you have to talk about the overall profitability of a company. Yeah, no, no, but, you know, you do. But the point is, when you ask, where does it come in terms of saving and housing for the public sector? The first thing is the land. The land should be at an affordable basis because it is publicly owned land. So you don't have the same land costs and particularly in an inflated market, you can reduce... Well, why is it GDP? publicly owned land? There's no such thing as free land. But the whole point, though,
0: is when... In I mean, sorry, sector, a, a point there, Rory, sorry, a, land, a, a, a point there, i suggest...
1: Rory, I mean, ultimately, in the first instance, are we talking about the difference between the state contracting uh developers like Michael here to build public housing... Or are you suggesting that the alternative to have a state-owned company is more viable, will be more productive and will build more houses at a more cost-effective rate?
2: I think that we need to both contract the private sector to build because clearly they're the ones who have the capacity right now. And I think we need to start building our own public capacity as well in a state home building agency that over time would give us a sustainable source of of provision of affordable and social homes, it's not going to be done overnight. It would take time, but it's an essential part. And I do think the other areas that we haven't touched on are things like tackling vacancy and dereliction, which is a huge yeah. source of potential homes. Again, part of the market that should be should be tackled. Michael, sorry,
1: okay, no, I I, I think oh, to I see be fair, a to company be fair.
0: to suddenly arrive.
2: Let's like let's not
0: move away from this. Or we or we decide and discuss it? I'm saying even if it was there tomorrow morning, where are the massive savings that you're talking about? They just don't exist. Like it's it's quite extraordinary that you're suggesting somehow that if this state company was there for a moment, you're suggesting they can do everything so much cheaper. It's just not practical to say, to say that, unless now what you're suggesting is they have free land, they don't pay contributions, their vast situation, unless you're not comparing apples or apples, Rory, there is no credibility to your concept that it's going to be more affordable.
2: Well, again, if we look at the figures, the cost of land, it does come out. Of course, the land is cheaper in the public sector because it's publicly owned land and it's not land that's bought in the open market. But do
0: so you accept it, it has value?
2: Do you accept it has value? To of course owners? it has value. Absolutely. It has, it, has value. it has value to the owner, which is the state. And, and, and the value is building a permanent supply of public housing on it. The other aspect is finance costs. The private sector has a much higher cost of accessing finance than the public sector, which can borrow at cheaper rates and which also currently has a huge surplus. So it's actually cheaper in terms of that input cost. And also, but, but, I want no, to think, well, it's not, not all, it Michael, it's not all about cost as well. And it's not all about what is the cheapest form. We also have to guarantee housing delivery and guarantee homes. So it shouldn't all be just about what is the lowest cost possible. Investment, you are right that housing has to be, housing is expensive and it will be expensive. And it's an investment. But is all that you're suggesting going to go on the state balance sheet? So is, is that what you're suggesting? Well, if you look at it, we absolutely can borrow and build and no different than you do in your private developer model. Why in the Best. Scottish model did they move everything off to housing bodies, for example? And, and an interesting um,
0: fact I read recently, it, do you know what costs £10 billion a year to run the north of Ireland between education and health and all the services? Do you know what the current bill for refurbishing the housing stock in north of Ireland, just taking north of Ireland on its own? Ten billion. Are you factoring in the increased public housing supply, the less sale selling of housing, more rental? Are you costing in in the long term, leaving aside all the issues like pension and all that goes with that? Are you costing in the reform down the road? Are, are you aware of those numbers in North of Ireland? But if you... Expand.
1: Can I come in there? Look, I understand, look, there's big differences in relation to this notion of a state housing agency, but there are just a few other topics, I think, that are perhaps also as relevant. One, Michael, is this notion, and Rory has raised this, and I have seen it raised elsewhere, and that is a suggestion that there is some land hoarding. Now, let me just clarify that. In the first instance, it's perfectly natural that people developers would be holding on to land forecasting for two or three years, their business plan, etc. That's entirely understandable. But there are well over, as I understand it, 60,000 housing units for which there is planning permission and no sign of them being built. Now, some people are suggesting that this is hoarding. Mick,
0: it's a very good question and I'm glad you've asked it again to give me the opportunity to answer it. I'm not hoarding any land and I've never hoarded land. Our land is our raw material. The cheaper we can buy it, the better chance we have of selling affordable product into the market. It has to be viable for us to sell. I've advocated in the past an open book approach to private developers in terms of qualifying for government grants like we had in the old days, such as reasonable value. I have no difficulty with that. I never have. Perhaps every developer might agree with that, but I've always been of been that view. Hoarding land is something that it's a catchphrase that people like to use and you know i can understand why you're asking me a lot of the land you're referring to is not viable you can't build at a loss in any product any housing product because you just can't do it as a company and nobody will build something to have less value at the end than at the start so you talk about planning permissions I see planning permissions being applied over the last number of years, and I'm saying to myself, why are they wasting money with the planning fees for these and the professional fees? Because there's no prospect of them being built, because the value of the end product is way less than the cost. So you talk about those, most of those that you describe are actually unviable. So they can't they can't be built. And I, I know them because I've looked at some of them. And the reality, Mick, is and, like, let's understand that very few, if any, developers that I know of, uh, and I can only speak for the main core of developers, would hoard land. Land is our core uh, material. We must have land in the pipeline. Otherwise, we won't have a continuity and we won't be able to keep, to keep, to keep our, our overhead staff and our, our key employees and subcontractors. But this idea that people are hoarding land, there are landowners who may not feel it's the right time to sell. And that's a, another matter altogether. And I actually think planning permissions should be linked to deliverability. Planning permissions shouldn't be just about the enhancing value. Like there's an awful lot of, uh, of public assessment gone in plannings that are never going to happen. And I think that's something that, that needs to be looked at. But as regards this hoarding, I can tell you now, and there's a land tax coming or land tax, here, so to speak, that's probably going to the only benefit that might bring. Even though I think it's going to cause a lot of problems in the market, because you can be asked to build something that's not viable. You can't be asked to build something unless the services are there, and the services are, are never right in the site. So, to answer your question, mate, this hoarding—people love to throw out the comment, the two words, um, "hoarding land." It, it uh, to me, there's little or none that's viable, and that's the key point.
2: To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: Rory, it's something that you've brought up, this notion of hoarding land.
2: Yeah, it, um, and Michael there has uh, made the case for why we can't rely on the private market to deliver the fundamental need of housing. Because he said there over and over that we can't build housing that isn't viable. And so this is this question. So if it's not viable, and what do we mean by viable? That means that it turns essentially a profit. So that's viable as a business. And this raises the question. So are we just going to say if things, if the provision of housing is not Financially viable as a business, it won't be provided. And we don't say that with health and education. Absolutely. But you need to look now at the cost, Rory.
0: Why is it not viable? Why 40 years ago, and I'm over 40 years at this business, was it possible to build houses that people could afford? Back then, Rory, we had VAT at 3%. Now it's 13.5%. We had enough land zoned in the right places that could be delivered. For your average couple, I use the, and the expression often that the garden nurse could buy a house. The kind of people that can't buy a house today is just extraordinary in a country like ours that's supposed to be so, so economically successful. So I would say to you that you need to look at the cost base. You need to look at why is land what it is? Why aren't we providing the infrastructure, the land that needs to be provided? And Rory, if you if the public want, the public systems want to overpay for housing, they get all the housing in the world that they need. So you're trying to say we the private developers won't do it. The private developers can only do it if it's viable. You start looking at the costs. There's no VAT in the North of Ireland, there's no VAT in the UK. We've 13.5% here. Can you imagine how viable a lot of the projects we have, if the VAT up to a certain level was which we're passing on to the consumer, was taken away. In a lot of the European countries, you don't have VAT like you have here. So like you're talking about, let's forget about, let's go the health route now or whatever the cost it costs. You can't throw caution to the wind because you know why? The taxpayers are going to pay for everything and we have to be, we have to spend our money well. So I'm saying, look at the cost base, make it more affordable, make it more viable and you'll get all the supply you want. And you know you're hung up on, on, on profits. You need to, you need to look holistically at this and realize that we will deliver if we will deliver if if it's viable, and there is nothing wrong with the nothing wrong with the word profitable. That's how the world works in business. It has to be profitable, and what you're describing here will cost an awful lot more, and it won't solve anything even if it was possible.
2: Well, I, I fundamentally disagree with you, Michael, on that because I think we have to, the way if you look at it, our housing system is unbalanced. We have too much reliance on the private market. As I have said, I'm not against a private market in housing. What I am against and we have, is we have gone too far relying on that market, as you've said, is all about viability. Is it viable to build or not? For some people, they can afford to buy in the private market, but we have at least half of households, if not more, um, at this point now, can't afford to buy. But we have a quarter who will never be able to afford to buy. And the question is, what do you do? How do you guarantee a supply of affordable housing and social housing into the future. And that is kind of my core argument is we have lost that aspect. And in many respects, many of the challenges that you face as the private market are not my concern because...
0: But but Rory, you have to be realistic. We provide housing at any any number if if cost doesn't matter. It's very good that cost matters because the state needs to get value for money. And what you're suggesting here, the state won't get value for money. And I can't quite believe that you're not looking rationally at let's look at the cost base. Let's make it viable.
2: But to suggest that it's a process, I don't, know, I, don't want, developers, I, I think it's not. That's the point. It's not about making it viable. It's about what will deliver homes. as You're essential. talking about writing a blank cheque for homes. No, I'm, I'm not. Saying you can get to homes,
0: but let's be practical. Let's be businesslike about it. And let's get value for money for the taxpayer. Because you're forgetting so how, how do you get to viability then, Michael? Because you can get to viability if, if you reduce the cost base.
1: Michael, on that theme, you mentioned if obstacles are removed. Just briefly, what would the main obstacles be to, to writing the cost base?
2: Yeah, but that's a state subsidy then. That's a state subsidy. No, if you reduce no, no, that, it's,
0: it's, it's a state tax
2: that's not it's a policy,
0: And that wasn't there in the past When you go back and describe how housing worked in the past, you're talking about land. Why don't we have enough land zoned? We are subsidizing land because of the National Planning Framework. That is wonderful in terms of concept and it's wonderful in terms of climate. But if it's not possible to develop, what are we supposed to do? So we have to look at the cost base on, on land and have sufficient land zoned where we can produce housing that works we also need to look at some of the other um issues around development levies and some of the we're levying new house builders now with um issues that really should be dealt with with state taxes the most recent one is the best example the the mica issue like that's a state issue that isn't my first-time buyers in my state's in Cork or Dublin, shouldn't have to pay for a problem that happened up in the northwest of the country.
1: Michael, can I just take you up on the zoned land? Like as I understand, there's residential zoned land for well over two hundred thousand homes.
0: Mick, listen. If if there was enough zoned land available, that's serviceable. You wouldn't have land at some of the prices that you have. The reality is, you do not have. There's a lot of zoned land that will be there in twenty years' time. There's land zoned that's not going to happen. There's land but, zoned but again, that Michael, will that is not viable and that can't be unless the state subsidise the development. And, and In other words, me, that, like that, that land, land
1: should not have been zoned.
0: Well, I've, I've always said you should do an economic analysis of zoning. Is it going to happen? Is is it possible to have infrastructure? I have land with twenty years that's zoned that I that I still can't build on. Like you have to look at: Do you put scarce resources? To work where something will happen? Or do you put, do you zone land that won't happen? So the reality is, you have a lot of land that's zoned that isn't going to happen. And we have land, if it was zoned tomorrow, we would have housing on it next year. And there's land zoned in the same locations that there won't be development on in 10 years' time. So you, you have to understand the frustrations of our industry when there is no tie up between. Zoning, infrastructure, land availability, brownfield development, that's not viable unless the state subsidises, which which I think is what Rory's um, key part of his business plan is that the state writes the cheque regardless of the costs. And that's not how the world works in business, unfortunately.
2: And, and this is the point about land is a really good um, area to look at because land we know is um, bid upon... Uh, people bid for it and it's sold for basically to the highest bidder. We look at around Dublin, for example, there's huge land banks owned even across the country. Um, and people bid for them, which pushes up the price, um, and which, Michael, you say yourself, in terms of is this can be a significant cost to the cost of a home. We need to come up with a better system whereby land is actually kept at a very low price. And that was the proposal of the Kenny Report back in the 1970s, where land could be compulsory purchased by the state at existing use value plus 10% and this is what other countries 25%, do. 25% I think. Right. I know Rory but you're talking
0: about the Kinney Report a lot of the a lot of the findings in the Kidney Report have actually since been implemented. I mean there was, the no tax, question on land. there was no but that tax But
1: that was a crucial was no one, one Michael the price of land that was a crucial thing that was never addressed and there is a point. The price of land is such that it becomes overnight, it multiplies in value when zoned, and yet that's not necessarily in the public interest at all.
0: No, no, I I I take some aspects of that, but a lot of the aspects have since been dealt with. And like I don't want a system that's going to be challenged, and the right to property and all of that come comes around. Like the, the right to property and compulsory acquisition where you have alternatives, it's not like it's not like compulsory acquiring a house for a road network or, or for road yeah. improvement Th- that's a whole legal area the last thing we need at this moment in time Mick, are are policy changes that are going to cause chaos or cause legal challenges or the like but a lot of the issues raised in the kenny report back then have since been implemented so like the, principle, you of what you're the principle of what you're describing the principle about listen i'm i'm it's my raw material I want it to be affordable. So I'm not disagreeing with the concept at all. But let's have something that works. And the principle, there wasn't um, tax back then on land. There's a lot of things have changed
2: since the Kinney report. But it, it is a key one. And I think it the, the question of infrastructure is essential as well. And the state hasn't invested, and this is where I come back to, it hasn't invested in ensuring infrastructure like water, um, wastewater, transport systems makes land usable. And this is an issue that is there. And it comes back to our whole investment model as a state where low tax, low public investment. And when you don't have public investment in infrastructure. This is part of the problem and it does come back to that. But I think... And I, mean, I agree with you on land. Land is a, a key
0: constituent. If it was more, if there was more strategic thinking done about zoning and infrastructure, availability and all of that, you'd have, you'd have, you'd have a lot cheaper land, to put it bluntly. And that hasn't happened. Why hasn't it happened? We're in the marketplace. We're, we're
1: not the policy and the deciders. Michael, can I one other element to it, and that is affordability. Now, it, is is it your case that if, for example, the obstacles you describe uh, toward, towards building were removed or were moderated or whatever, that affordability, to a large extent, will be down to supply—that the greater supply, then it'll become affordable. It, like some people suggest that it. it, it there's far more to it than that, that merely building more will not make it affordable for people to have some
0: chance of buying a home. Well, well but building more will only happen if it's if it's possible for the private sector to deliver. Of course we'll deliver. Of course we won't be far wanting if, if the economic uh, um, factors work. And I'm saying you, do, you need to look at the cost base because... Otherwise, you're into massive salary escalation to afford homes. We can't have that. But you need to look at the cost base. That is part of the solution. I have advocated for a long number of years, the macro rules were an issue. I mean, when housing was static, the central bank, I think, were claiming credit. But when the housing then started to, to rise, they rightly said that it wasn't housing control, or housing price control wasn't their issue. But they have moved the multiplier from three and a half to four. Unfortunately, I think they should have gone to four and a half, like England and other European countries. Some of them are five and some of them are over five. So we're forcing people on rent. And the rents are crazy because we we haven't enough supply in that area. We have driven the the ordinary landlord out of the market. They were doing a very valuable service in in the country regions. Like people in the country regions don't want to know about having, having a house and renting it. It's a big, big loss in the metropolitan areas. You have the institutional landlords that unfortunately people like Rory have been extremely critical of, but I have been saying, and I keep saying it, they provided a vital supply, albeit the rents had to be high to justify the building, but the people who moved into those apartments came from somewhere else. Supply, supply, supply is what we need on the rental side. And it's what we need on the house purchase side. That is the only way to deal. and I promise you now, rents are going up and prices are going up for all the wrong reason. And I can remember way back before the crazy days came about, I was really concerned about my business model because we were pricing ourselves out of business at that time, all being driven by the, the Celtic tiger, or whatever description you want to put on it. but we were pricing ourselves out of business when our ordinary couple couldn't buy a home. And that's unfortunately has happened. And that is the situation today. So you have to look like I can't do anything about the raw materials, like concrete blocks, aggregates gone up 40% in in the last two and a half years. You have timber went up 90%, but it came back maybe to to 40, 50%. But you have a lot of costs that have happened. We have the most highly regulated um, housing apartment industry, I'd say, in the world at this stage. And we, we're we not going to change that. But we, like, we had built to rent, we've taken it away. Why would you take it away if it's cheaper to build units that can be rented? Like, we we need to be practical about some of the strategic changes we make and get away from populist policies that don't actually solve the problem. And that's... what Michael, one, one thing there, Michael, Michael... And I hear all these people, and I know Rory calls himself a housing expert, but... I hope 40 plus years of building houses, I know something about them as well.
1: I've, I've no doubt you do, but Michael, one, one thing there, I mean, what you bought in terms of the macroprudential rules you're talking about and in terms of the building regu- regulations, a huge amount of debt has come about because of what happened prior to 2008 when things went off the Richter scale altogether. And, well,
0: Nick, I, 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 carry, I carry no grief for people who didn't build properly. Have we gone... Over the top in terms of dual aspect and all of that, if you're in a rental unit, I think we probably have. I, I think built to rent, less stairwells and uh, and less uh, um, requirements that you would have for, for someone buying an apartment wasn't the worst thing in the world. But the macro potential rules, Mick, we, we didn't design 100% plus mortgages. They were, they were world financial mistakes, not even Irish ones. But the reality is forcing people and I know them, they're, they're children of friends of mine who can't buy houses, but are paying exorbitant rents is not the solution either. And a lot of these could afford to pay more in a mortgage, and, and they're paying a lot, lot more in rent. And they're expected to save at the same time. So we've got to be practical here and have, take out a sheet of paper and figure out how can this work. We are not dealing with it in terms of viability on one side, and affordability on the other. And it is complex. But you know what? It can be fixed. But it won't be fixed. It won't be fixed by saying, let's do something that will take five years to to seven years to happen. And it won't happen because the people have left this industry. I mean, we are struggling to keep people in the industry. And what Rory is suggesting is just won't happen. So we're going to make a bad situation worse.
1: Okay, Rory, just those those two issues. First of all, in terms of the mortgage rules, uh, macroprudential rules, which just... let people know we're talking about uh, the the multiple of your salary that you're allowed in terms of applying for a mortgage. And the other element, Michael's point, and I have heard it before, that if the funds weren't there to build those build-for-rent developments, particularly in the likes of Dublin and Cork to a lesser extent, um, they simply wouldn't have got built because of the problems with funding.
2: Well, the funds... The funds I have been very critical of, and Michael says that they were the only alternative, I don't agree with that. If we actually had used, we had funding in this state, that the state could have used its own capacity to lend um, to housing associations. It could have lent money, again, we come back to financing, and built affordable homes. If we look at the scale, for example, of derelict homes, of vacant homes. The only way to provide housing is not just building uh, three bed semi Ds that you sell to couples. There's a lot of other people who need homes and there's a lot of other ways to provide housing. Modular factory housing is another way we could be doing it. But in particular, as I've said, tackling vacancy and dereliction, a huge potential supply there. There are other things we could be doing like freezing rents, reducing rents. There are other policy measures we could be making. It's not just about thinking, how are we building building three-bed semis in big estates. There's lots of other ways of providing housing. And part of that is our failure to look at alternatives. And we were over-reliant and still are on investor funds. And I'll come back to on a, on a private market model. And until we develop a state building company and housing associations and bodies like O'Coulon and our councils, until they are building a significant proportion of homes alongside the private market, we are not going to get outside this cri- out, out of this crisis.
1: OK, Michael, one, one quick thing for you, Michael. In terms of public housing, I, I've seen a couple of cases recently where tenders were put out and it would, it would appear that they're simply not attractive to developers for, for any kind of large-scale public housing developments.
0: Why is that? Well, the public procurement method is extremely problematic. The decision making around the public procurement, um, the timeline involved, is extremely problematic. And um, it's some of these um, requirement, tender requirements, in a time of, of inflationary costs, makes it impossible to predict or to price something. And people just don't want the risk. And I mean, you've seen people recently end up in trouble for taking those risks.
1: But then does that not go to Rory's point that if the private sector isn't willing to take on that work,
0: do you need some kind of a state body? This is the very point. Rory talks about a state company. He's not actually describing what the private sector can do in conjunction with the state. And he talks about hiring contractors. And as you just described, a lot of contractors won't even price that situation because of the uncertainty in timing and the uncertainty in costs. And that's a whole different ball game altogether. Like, there's no doubt collaboration, giant venture approach is a way safer model for the public sector. And he, he was not very complimentary at the outset about the LDA and housing bodies, but The housing bodies and the institutional investors, all of those are are, are actually creating housing. And so it's easy to criticize those who are doing it and the private sector and at the same time have a policy that has no hope of happening. So Rory will never be wrong because what he's proposing will never happen. So we're talking about something here that is not going to happen. So he can't be wrong. So he can can keep um, on the high ground and talk about something. But I'm a person who talks about the reality. And I have to because I'm running a business and I I have to be realistic every day I come to work. Okay, Rory, just finally, just
1: just to finish on on that, in terms of a a housing agency, as you see it and you can, in theory at least, I can see some merit in it. Do you think there's any prospect of that happening?
2: Well, I do. Um, And I think that we have to, because as I've said, the alternative is we continue in this crisis perpetually. And I think in terms of guaranteeing the provision of social and affordable housing, which is my primary concern, um, we have to find ways to deliver homes. And I think part of it is, um, as I've said, setting up a state development and construction agency. Part of it is by contracting private builders to build, using modular factories, tackling vacancy and dereliction. There are multiple approaches needed Um, And so that's why I think it is whether, you know, this government is going to do it. Maybe it's going to be the next one. Um, But I think we need to continue to have this discussion and we need to continue to to find the solutions to build actually affordable homes. Rory's business plan
0: has no regard to cost. That's his strategic plan. No regard to cost. That's 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 not the world that I live in. Okay, well,
1: you've made that point, Michael, in fairness. And look, everyone's trying to do the same thing and perhaps underneath it all, on some level, there may be more that unites you than divides you. Unfortunately, in terms of this discussion, we've gone way over what's usually a lot of time. And I'd like to thank both of you very much for contributing to this. Michael O'Flynn and Rory Heron, you're coming from different positions. But in fairness, the only way to get through these things is to talk them through. I'd also like to thank our engineers on this podcast, Jim Collin and JJ Vernon. Thank you folks for listening and we'll talk to you soon.